Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Big Girls Don't Crime with your hosts Kate and Sophie. Um, This is part three of the Atlanta child murders. So if you haven't listened to part two or part one yet, just make sure you go back and listen to those because you won't really be able to follow or you'll miss out on a lot of really important information. If you don't... You'll be like reading the last page of a book. Exactly. So make sure you go and check out those episodes so you can be informed and understand what's going on in this episode. Do we have any announcements, Kate, before we get started? So I guess we'll do a celebratory shout out to our good friend Trey um, and his wonderful girlfriend of six years. Six whole years. That's crazy. Yeah. So they, they can be our stormy shout-out, because they're not going to know that they were shouted out, so. So, um, okay, well, with that, should we get started? Wait, should we go, let's go through our listeners first, actually. Okay. So I said, do you have any announcements, or do you want to say anything before we get started? You said no, and then you proceeded to make, like, eight different announcements. I know, because I was just, like, in a bad mood, and then I'm, like, now I'm not in one anymore. Oh, my God. I did that. It, like, changed really fast. Um, Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Purvis Pain Part 1, 86 starts, 55 streams, 56 listeners. Purvis Pain 2, 29 starts, 16 streams, 18 listeners. Murdered Indigenous Women, 4 starts, 2 streams, 4 listeners. Not our best. Yeah, that one's a bad one. Atlanta Child Murders Part 1, 6 starts, 4 streams, 8 listeners. What the heck? Six? Yeah, yeah. but let's, let's do, like, like, maybe in the last seven days. Oh, my God, Purvis Payne is really killing it. Well, I guess, too, because his, like, name is in the media. Maybe. Maybe people, like, random people are listening. Should we, like... Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Because in the past seven days, it says that he that's had 11 new listeners. That stinks because that's our worst episode. I know. Embarrassing. They're probably, like, you. these people are so annoying. I hope they, like, give us another chance. Maybe we should... I know. We're so dumb. Maybe we should no, redo we it. Make, I, okay, one, yeah, I was actually just thinking maybe we should redo it. Two, maybe we should make a TikTok for Big Girls Don't Crime. That's, like, such good free advertising. Okay, okay but that's, that's your good. job then. You, you can run, run the TikTok. TikTok. Okay, fine. All right. So, whatever. That's, I mean, I guess it's good to hear that Purvis Payne did well. Um, if you guys listened to that one, I promise we're getting better, so please <laughs> do follow along with us on our personal growth and journey to becoming better podcasters is there a way we could like insert that into the beginning of that episode no we would have to re-upload it we could do do you know what we could do we could do another purvis pain update we could because i signed us up for google alerts on our email and i get them all the time but i haven't been reading them so let's do a, we could do a purvis pain update episode Okay, let's do that when we finish Atlanta Child Murders. We should do that. Okay, because then that'll get a lot of, like, people coming in. And then once they're in, we can be like... Stay here. Hey, stay with (laughs) us. You're trapped. We're really good, actually, despite popular belief. So, last week, we left off with the police stopping a white station wagon... Wagon... (laughs) Okay, so last week we left off with the police stopping a white station wagon on I-285 after believing the car had thrown a body off a bridge. Oh, yes, now I remember. Oh, oh, I remember this. They had, like, the 
the sting operation where they had like the people waiting under the bridge in the water and then they heard the splash. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So the police stopped the station wagon on the James Jackson. Oh my God. I knew someone named James Jackson. Jackson. So the police stopped someone. Stop. Well, <laughs> so the police stopped the station wagon on the James Jackson Parkway bridge. The police ask for his identification, and it ends up being 23-year-old Wayne Bertram Williams. The police ask if he knows why they have stopped him, and he responds, quote, Yeah, it's about the murder of those children, isn't it? The police ask for him to give consent to search his vehicle, and he gives it and complies. In the front seat of the car, there were a pair of suede gloves with wool lining and a flashlight. Um, in the back of the car, there was a white nylon cord lying on the hump of the car. Is that, like, in between the two seats, you mean? No, I think, well, I assumed it was, like, you know, the hump, like, on the floor. On the floor. Yeah, that's what I Yeah, thought. that's what I meant. Oh, like in yeah. The, okay, yeah. Um, so they found the nylon white cord lying on the hump of the car. They obviously asked him what he was doing on the bridge at that hour, and what would have caused a loud splash at 2.55 a.m. in the morning. And he says that he's a talent scout and that he there were two sisters he was going to see, one in the morning, um, and he gave her name, which was Cheryl Johnson. They were to meet at 9 slash 10 a.m. the next morning, and they lived in the Spanish Trace Apartments, but he wanted to make sure he knew their address and where they lived so he wouldn't be late in the morning. So I guess that's why he was like getting there so early like you know he was like he was like scouting it like you know like he was like making sure he knew where he was going according to him yeah that and that makes sense but also like not at like like, 7 30 yeah like when I went for my first day of work I showed up at 6 30 a.m because I had never ridden like the subway before and so I was like I'm not gonna know what to do yeah. And I got there at 6.30, and no one was expecting me until, like, 9, and my boss didn't come in until, like, 10, so I literally just stood for three hours in the lobby. I, like, really hate that for you, and I'm honestly getting yeah, anxiety terrible. hearing about that. It was horrible. This was also, like, my first internship ever, so I was, like, geeking out. Anyways, um, yeah, so 2.55, that's a little early to scope it out. You can just leave But also he could have gone, like, in the nighttime, too, though, and, like, made sure he knew where he was going. Yeah. 2, 3 a.m. It's weird. weird. Um, Stop. but obviously since they didn't have anything on him substantial and they only had circumstantial, I guess, not even evidence, just, like, circumstantial... Behavior. <laughs> behavior, yeah. Um, they had to let him go, but the, again, I'm going to quote Cade, the quote, dumbasses didn't take any of the evidence from his car, and then she inserted a little um, action, asterisk, I am rolling my eyes. So, Kate's rolling her eyes right now. So, on May 24th, which was two days after the police heard the splash, a body appears in the Chattahoochee River, obviously, just south of the bridge that they assumed it was dropped from. The body was identified as 27-year-old Nathaniel Cater, and his cause of death was asphyxiation. So, even though he was dumped in the river, there were still fibers present on his body. 
So the police decided to put Wayne under surveillance 24-7, and, he, like, Wayne knew they were there. It wasn't, like, a secret mission. It was pretty obvious. Yeah. His parents were school teachers, and they were well-liked in the community, and no one ever thought they would ever be involved in something like this, and they lived in a medium-sized house in, like, a middle-class neighborhood. And his profilers were pretty on point with their profile. A single man, most likely black, lives with his parents, highly educated, 23 to 25 years old. Like, they were, like... Pretty spot on. Oh. Yeah. So Wayne really wanted to break into the music industry as a producer, and his goal was to find the next Jackson 5, so he wanted a lot of young people to come into the studio. And he actually had a radio show that was trying to bring in young talent to see him. All of his interviews for young people were private and free, and the music career that he started failed and bankrupted his parents. And forced him to work these really odd jobs. For example, he was known to police as a, quote, fire groupie. So he was like a cameraman who would go to a fire or something that was happening and film it and sell it to the, sell his footage to the media. Mm. I.e. an ambulance chaser, which they said in the profile as well, like aware of the media. Um, and remember that boy who was kidnapped? Like I told you about. No, you don't remember because you don't remember last episode. Um, if you, that was, there was a boy that was kidnapped that I mentioned last episode and he described his kidnapper and his, he described his kidnapper like it was Wayne Williams, like exactly on point. So also Isaac Rogers, who is the brother of one of the victims, Patrick Rogers, he was interviewed in the ID discovery interview or whatever. Yep. Thank you. And he said that, like, one day he went to the neighborhood store in, the pro- in, like, the projects that he lived to buy candy. And the candy lady was Miss Willie Mae. So, like, I'm assuming that they had this, like, candy store that was just Miss Willie Mae's apartment. And she would just give the kids candy. And he, like, so he got his candy and he was leaving. And he was walking down the stairs. And all of a sudden a man just, like, stepped out and blocked Isaac from going down the stairs. And so Isaac, like, I was freaking out writing this last night. Like, it was, like, scaring me, and it's scaring me a little bit now. Um, And so, obviously, Isaac freaked out, and he, like, ran back to Miss Willie Mae's house and was banging on the door, screaming to let him back in. And the guy was so calm and walked up the steps to where Isaac was and was, like, five feet away from him and Miss Willie Mae. And he, like, looked at where, like, they were standing and then he walked around to the porch, which was on the side of the building, and just disappeared. Does that not make you feel, like, uncomfortable? Wait, so he, like, blocks I like, oh my God, Isaac I can't. Rogers. Yeah. And then Isaac is, like, clearly spooked. So he, like, runs back upstairs. Yeah. This guy is, like, so calm. Yeah, but he doesn't run after him. He, like, slowly walks after him, which I think is oh, even more actually, creepy. That's worse. That's far worse. That is far worse. And then he bangs on the door from Miss Willie May, and she opens it. Yeah, yeah. and she's like, what's wrong? And then because Miss Willie May was there, the man walks away. And he just walks to the porch. And, and like, disappears. disappears into the night. I can't. And also, you know how ID Discovery does those reenactments? Oh, I would have been so beside scary. myself watching that. Well, I was like, it wasn't that scary when I watched it, but when I was rewriting it, I was like, I am going to literally die. Like, I was like, this is terrifying. <laughs> Okay, so Isaac Rogers describes this man and says his afro was uneven and it wasn't crispy. And he was wearing rimless little glasses and he had a tweed suit coat with patches on the elbows. 
And which in Isaac, when he saw Wayne Williams like on the TV when he was arrested, he was like, "That is the man." Like he, there was no doubt in his mind that that was the man. And even today, he was like, "That was him." And Isaac said in the interview that he still can't like see tweed suit. Like tweed still freaks him out. That's so sad. I know, <laughs> but like same. Like I would be yeah, absolutely terrified that's too. On June 3rd, 1981, police bring Williams in for questioning and obtain search warrants for his house and his car. There were three specific fibers that were continuing to appear on the victims. Um, okay, so a rare trilobal fiber, a violet acetate fiber, and a German shepherd dog hair. Wait, also time out when I was taking notes, because this is the information I got from the ID Discovery documentary. When I was taking notes, I kept writing violent instead of violent. Oh, perfect. A violent acetate fiber the police said when they went to search the car sometimes reading just really doesn't work out for me the police said when they went to search the car they walked through the garage which was open and walked into the bedroom which had wall-to-wall green carpet so you'll remember that there was green fibers found on a lot of the bodies um the william the Williams, dead ass, another Kate quote, had a German shepherd, and the bedspread in Wayne's bedroom had violet acetate fibers. These fibers were a match, duh. These are all Kate's words, by the way. Um, I was, like, not in the mood for, like, living in yesterday, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the police wanted to do a little... I can't read this without laughing because it's just written in such a hilarious way but the police wanted to do a little polygraph okay i can't say little polygraph the police wanted to do a, a little polygraph. polygraph daddy a little poly daddy <laughs> the police wanted to do a little a shit i didn't mean to say it <laughs> i'm deleting it and i'm from the notes okay the police wanted to do a polygraph test but wayne said that polygraphs aren't admissible in court and that they're not reliable after you've been already intensively interviewing a person which they had been doing with him so he basically was like there's no point in doing a polygraph because it's inadmissible in court and it's just gonna give you biased answers and you can't do anything with it anyways which like honestly that's a pretty fucking smart little that's a good comeback or like so, like, if you were ever arrested for something that you didn't do, would you offer to take a polygraph? No, because I've learned from, again, I'm going to reference my my homegirls. No, I know, but, like, I'm thinking about it. Like, how would you, like, I feel like if I was arrested for something I didn't do, I'd be like, literally, you can, like, ask me, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I would honestly give myself up to do a polygraph to be like, I didn't do anything. But then I know myself and I, so I would have such bad anxiety, it would literally, same, I wouldn't pass same. it. Like, I would fail because I would be having full-blown yeah. heart. But they do do a baseline, so I guess, like, you're so... I would probably be so nervous during the baseline that they would be like, this girl isn't lying. <laughs> she just it. is literally going into cardiac arrest and needs to be <laughs> hospitalized. So I know. I feel like they would do the baseline, and they'd be like, we can't actually do it because I think her heart we'll would actually out. explode we'll give when out. she lies. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so the police wanted to do a polygraph, but Wayne was like, there's no point, it's a waste of your time. And I can't believe that they were like, okay, yeah, we'll buy that. Like, what? But <laughs> I, but I don't know if they actually did one or not. Oh, like, so. They just said, okay. like, I, like, there was no information on whether they did it yeah. or not. There was just information on he was like, no. 
But also, I guess, like, I think they have rights, don't they? Like, if you're arrested, I think you have the right to be like, no, well, I'm not. Well, they, they need a warrant a to give you a polygraph. Mm. But also polygraphs, like, there's no fucking yeah, point no, of them. Like, Wayne's right. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. So I wonder if they even need a warrant. Well, no, they definitely need a warrant. Or you just, like, offer. Uh, you can offer, and if the person refuses, you need a warrant to force them to do it. Even with a polygraph, even if they're not admissible? Yeah. Um, do you want to keep going? No, I'm because I'm Googling if you need a warrant to take a polygraph test. Oh, well, why don't you Google that, and I'll keep going with them. Okay, yeah, that's, but that's what I'm Googling now. Okay, so the DA said that they didn't have enough evidence to charge him with a federal crime, um, which makes sense. And I'm assuming when you say the attention seeker, you're referring to Wayne, Wayne. Williams. Yeah. Okay, so Wayne Williams called a press conference when he hadn't even been named a suspect. However, during the press conference, they didn't film it. They just filmed the face, or they, yeah, so they filmed the press conference, but they didn't film him. They only filmed the faces of the reporters. So I guess it was like a little POV, your William, your Wayne Williams, like watching these reporters <laughs> interview. Like, I don't know. Um, so actually, out about the, yeah, yeah, like, because it's, it's not really, like, like you don't, don't really need to take one. Like, like it's, it's not like they can do really anything for you. It, you don't need a warrant. Like, because you can't be forced to do it. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, like, at least what I got from criminaldefenselawyer.com. Mm. And then most of the other searches were just, well, it didn't really say anything. It just said that, like, you should consult with your lawyer before taking one if you're asked to take one. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I just guess, like, um, there's no point in them, but... Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to Yeah, me. I agree. Um, but speaking of telling the truth, <laughs> um, during this press conference, he passed out his resume while claiming he flew fighter jets and that he was a race car driver. So I'm sure if he had been hooked up to a polygraph in that moment, he would have failed with flying colors. <laughs> um, yep, pretty much. Yeah, great. So also like how know. weird is that you are literally calling a press conference because the police think that they're you're under surveillance you killed someone because you killed yeah. multiple children and you pass out your resume to reporters. Okay. So it so the police had set up like roadblocks beforehand anyway, like before they caught Wayne um, to see if they could find the perp. Okay, and it turns out that Wayne had actually come to one of the roadblocks the police had set up, and they literally just let him go through, and they were like, oh, it's just Wayne. So he was, like, pretty well known around the neighborhood and to police, so he would pass perfectly as not being a suspect because he was so out in the open, I guess. I don't really know. So eventually, obviously, a press leak shows his identity, and the police were very hesitant to arrest him without enough evidence, and apparently they claimed the fiber evidence wasn't enough. Now, I don't know if fiber evidence is like circumstantial but i think it's pretty it but like i feel like it's pretty like solid like it's science it is but it like isn't and it's still circumstantial or it's like not enough to incriminate someone well wait yeah okay wait wait for this then so that same weekend that they're about to arrest wayne they guess what they have a gathering of fiber experts in atlanta at the state crime lab just Coincidence. Is it like a coincidence? Yeah. yeah. No, no, like they just... Like a little like yes. experts conference? <laughs> yes, isn't that bizarre? That's hilarious. I know, so it was like perfect. So the police have these experts look at the fibers and the, they said that the fibers are super significant because remember they're all pretty rare fibers except for I guess the German Shepherd dog. 
Um, but they, and they said it was probably, it was highly unlikely, maybe even improbable for all of these fibers to come together in the same place multiple different times. Yeah. So DA Slayton was like, let's get him. And they arrest him on Father's Day, June 21st, 1981. And he's sent to Fulton County Jail. So that is one year and 11 months after the first murder. But they're only charging him with two murders. They charge him with the murders of Jimmy Ray Payne and Nathaniel Cater because of the location of the bodies and the fiber evidence because they're probably dropped from the same location on the bridge. Yeah. So July 22nd, 1981, Judge Cooper selected at random while Jack Mallard led the state prosecution team. Mary Welcome was Wayne Williams' main defense attorney. And on January 6th, 1982, jurors are selected. Um, I don't really understand what I wrote here. That's why I highlighted it because I didn't know if I was going to um, remember to research it again. And since I did it, I'm going to ignore it. So the evidence was the fiber stuff, which is just really complex too. And so they had charts that were showing that the fibers and how they could be identified, but it was still claimed to be circumstantial evidence. And all they were saying that documentary that because it was so complex it was like hard for the jurors to kind of understand it yeah there were no witnesses and he obviously wouldn't confess so there was no real evidence connecting Williams to the crimes and the question that was like hanging over everyone was why would he kill black men if he were a black man himself Mm -hmm. well I mean that's a dumb question Yeah, yeah I agree um, but I think it was just because everyone really just thought it was, like, a racially profile yeah. thing. Um, yeah, that so, makes sense. However, Robert Lee Toland said that Williams despised, quote, lower-class blacks and once proposed that eliminating black youth would wipe out generations. So another witness said that he, he, Williams had bragged about how he could kill a child with just the touch of his hands. So that, like, didn't go well for him, if you could imagine. Yeah. I could see that being a little damning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the defense then proposed the question. He's pretty short. He's only 5'7". How could he kill these adults and then dump their body off of a bridge? Wait. Just as, like, to respond to that, I've, like, looked up a bunch of... Well, I looked him up. He's so creepy looking, isn't he? Wait, I was going to say he looks like just such a nice, cute little man. What? I think he's so scary looking. Okay, when he was, yeah, when he was younger, but look at him in this picture. He's wearing, like, a floral button-up. Wait, that is not him. That's not (laughs) No, it literally is. It says, Atlanta child murders. That's not him. Oh, oh, that was a potential victim. (gasps) Okay, okay. I was going to say, this man is very cute. He's, like, this cute old man... He's so cute. Do you think that they let him, like, take, like, a professional photo with a purple shirt in prison? (laughs) I don't know. I don't even know if he's in jail. We're still in the trial phase. I have no idea. I don't know. Maybe he's leading a totally normal life. I'm crying. Okay, well, anyways, I Googled him. I Googled his name. The first picture that came up, it said Atlanta Child Murders. So I was like, okay, I click on it. It is the cutest looking man ever. I think that goes to show, though, that, like, you really can't tell when someone's good or bad. Because this man, I literally was like, there's no way. That but this man did. isn't a Wayne Williams. I know. I know. But that's what I'm saying is, like, I looked at him thinking he was Wayne Williams. I was like, 
There's no way that this could be the guy. Can you look at an actual picture of Wayne Williams? Yes. Okay. Well, now I'm clicking on the next photo. of. So this guy in the picture is like probably 60-something. And now, yeah, looking at the picture of Wayne Williams, um, he's quite a hideous man. And he's got some really bad acne. Acne? I know. Yeah, that's, that's him. You're looking Which, like, at him. You can't control that, but... Maybe if you weren't evil, you wouldn't get acne. Like, you never know, I think. Wait, I'm, like, really not fond of him at all. So. I know, but I think when he's old, he kind of looks like a turtle, doesn't he? Like, he looks... You remember Franklin, the turtle Franklin? Like, that kid's cartoon? Yeah. I think he looks like Franklin, kind of, doesn't he, when he's old? Okay. I don't... I'm not enjoying looking at these pictures of him. I'm gonna just keep... Look at this cute man, though! I'm, like, still so dead you thought that was him, but also, you know what I was gonna say... What? I was going to say that look, knowing what Wayne Williams looks like, doesn't it freak you out even more, that whole story I told you about Isaac Rogers yeah, and the Candyman? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it scare you even more? Mm-hmm. So everyone should be looking up Wayne Williams. And just so you know, it's not the first picture. That was a man who escaped. Oh, my God, that's probably Isaac Rogers. Nah, I think, no, Isaac Rogers is, like, a little bit younger. That might have been the man that escaped the car. Remember? Der, Derwin Davis. I don't know. They never. I never figured out his name. So that might be him. It's asking a 14-year-old Derwin strange questions inside a car in southwest Atlanta in 1979. Suddenly, the man reaches out to grab Derwin. Almost reflexively, he elbows the man in the face, jumps out of the car, and runs away. Yeah, that's him. That was the little boy. Now that Wayne Williams, we know what he looks like, and it made that story of him a lot scarier. Doesn't that story about the kid in the car make you so Wayne, much sadder? I know, I know. Knowing that this is what his cute little freaking face would turn out to be? He's so cute. Okay, sorry. Anyways. That was like a whole wild ride. <laughs> that was actually so funny that you thought that was Wayne Williams. How okay. would well, like, how sorry, would I not that know that that's me laugh. I don't know because like I don't know I don't know but that just because does he look like a murderer? No, but that's exactly. the point. I was like, God, this really doesn't look like him. Yeah, but I feel like most of the time you can really just tell someone's a murderer. Yeah, no. they just like have that look about them. They're just like creepy. I also yeah. feel like murderers smell bad. Ew. They like, do, you, like, I don't know. Like, even Ted Bundy, like, I feel like he probably smelled really bad. Okay. Just my thought. Yeah, no, that's, like, an okay thought to have, I think. Okay, so, like I said, Wayne Williams is really short. He was really short. He was also really pudgy at the time. And so, the defense was, like, he's so short and pudgy, and he's really out of shape. How could he possibly attack these adults and then dump their bodies off of a bridge? However... The way the bridge was built, it was like you could drive super close up to the edge. So it wasn't kind of like a sidewalk on the bridge. You could drive right yeah, up to I the know edge. What you're about. Yeah. Take the body out of the car and just dump it over. Like I don't think there was but guardrails were very high either. Did they mean though more also though, like how could he Well yeah, I guess you said that. Whatever. <laughs> okay. So, like, the point is, like, it was really easy for, like, anybody basically could dump a body off of the bridge yeah. where he was dumping the body. Because you just basically, like, pulled it out of the car, I think, and just, like. Yeah. Okay, so those were some of the questions that were coming 
about during the trial. Um, and I guess that the prosecution also thought it would be a good idea to check his whole alibi of dumping the body that night. So if you don't remember, he said that he was scouting for talent in the area and that he was supposed to go see a girl named Cheryl Johnson um, and scope out just basically the trip to her house to make sure he knew how to get there and so he wouldn't be late. But the prosecution was unable to find any proof about Cheryl Johnson in terms of like where she lived or who she was or if she even existed. Um, so basically his like one, I guess, excuse or alibi can't really be validated. So now we're in the eighth week of the trial and the behavioral science unit of the FBI, the FBI says, quote, he won't be able to resist. He will want to show he's smarter than you are. That's one of the reasons he's committing these crimes, which like always is the case with these like young men that are like cocky and well-educated. Yeah, so the prosecutor Mallard was to make Williams as angry as possible. That was like his strategy because uh, they knew that he would crack. So Mallard kept asking him the same questions as the days before, and he ended up freaking out and screamed, you want the real Wayne Williams? You got him. So this showed the jury that he could be really sweet, but he also could lose his temper in a matter of minutes. The trial was two months long, which was the longest murder trial in Georgia State's history. There were over 200 witnesses. And so finally on February 26, 1982, they said their closing statements. So after 11 hours, the jury delivers their verdict. At the time of delivery, deputies are armed, their holsters are unstrapped, and their hands are on their weapons, just ready for whatever might happen because they kind of know that it, it could get really ugly in there. So the verdict is this. Wayne Bertram Williams is found guilty of two counts of murder and sentenced to two consecutive life prison sentences. They got him. The task force was bit... Well, I feel like after all that buildup, we need to know, like, did he, like, tweak out? What do you mean tweak out? On the stand? No, like, did it he, like, didn't really say. Like, no, it didn't really well, say. I guess that was like kind of a bummer that we built up that much because we really don't know what his reaction was. I'm sure it was quite hot and flamey and that he got a little... Um, hot and bothered. Yeah. But, um, okay, so the after he was sentenced, the task force was disbanded after his trial and they closed all the children's cases just by basically claiming and connecting them to Wayne Williams. Um, so they can actually connect Williams to about around 10 of the murders because of the fiber. Five of the cases were handed back to the jurisdictions of which the victims were found in. Darren Glass is still missing. People still don't really understand what the relation of those two girls were to the murders and why he switched up his victim profile. Um, but the police actually... This is okay. So it's later explained, though, to be believed by the police that the two girls and Anthony Carter, is it Cater? Carter. Nathaniel Cater is the adult. Anthony Carter is the child. Okay, because I remember, okay. Um, so it's later released that the police believe 
the two girls and Anthony Carter were killed by family members. So it was unrelated to the um, other kids, to the Atlanta child murders. So, so however, some people still can't shake the feeling that the KKK had something to do with these murders. And after a controversial 1985 spin article was released, people were furious with the way the investigation was handled and conducted. And some people don't believe that justice was ever served. So, some follow-up questions for that. Um, by justice was never served, you mean, like, they don't think that Wayne Williams had anything to do with it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's one. And then two, what did the spin article say that, like, had people going Well, obviously you're going to have to wait for next episode. Oh, okay. So it's a little... Okay, so we are going to talk about it, but in the next episode. Yeah. So yeah. we'll leave you guys with that for now. And next week we'll go into what that spin article was and why it had people up in arms. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's going to be... Also, that spin article was, like, honestly, I was trying to read it, and it's quite confusing, the way it's written. Mm. It seems like it's written in Old English. It's impossible to decipher what the hell is going on in it, so I'm going to try my best. However, it, I, it's a mess. Wait, this is so random, but it just, like, cracks me up and is, like, a funny little story. One of my friends, um, in, from college used to try he was like we were reading like Shakespeare some like old English it was like written in old English and Mm -hmm. I was talking to him and I was like oh yeah it's just like kind of hard to understand because like the language is so antiquated and it just like isn't doesn't really make sense and he was like oh yeah I like tried to like put it into Google Translate and like it didn't help and I was like what he was like well yeah I tried to like Google Translate it I was like well, it's already translated. He was like, no, like, from, like, Old English to English. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, like, I tried to Google Translate, like, it from the Old English to the New English. And I was like, okay, well, I'll leave you with that. <laughs> <laughs> I literally was like, I don't know how to help you here. <laughs> it seems like you, like, you are struggling. You need more help. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you not being able to read or thoroughly understand antiquated English language is quite literally the least of your problems. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I guess we will see the listeners next time. Make sure you come back. If you haven't listened to our other episodes, make sure you go listen to them. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Play it for your loved ones. Play it for your enemies. Um, <laughs> like, if you want to ruin someone's day, some of these cases are really horrible, so if you hate someone, you could send it to them. Honestly, there's always a good time to listen to true crime. And with that, that's going to be our, that should be our motto. Yeah. That's going to be our motto. Okay. There's always, it's always a good time to listen to true crime. True crime. Good job. Uh, that should be our sign off from now on. Okay. okay. I just came up um, with that on the spot. And now yeah, it's our sign-off, so, so you guys were just a part of that moment. You were the yeah. inspiration for that. Okay, well, with that, we will end this episode. We'll see you next week, and thank you guys again for listening. We love all of our followers, even though Kate likes to allude earlier to the fact that we don't. She was just a little <laughs> stormy. She was so stormy when we got on the phone today. She's in a better mood, and yeah, so we will see you next week. And don't forget, it's always a good time to listen to true crime. See you next week. Bye, guys.